Welcome to the Dermastore Podcast. A chat about all things skincare, skin health. And if you're a real skin nerd, we, we hope, hope you'll, you'll join, join the conversation. conversation. Welcome to our third episode. Hey, Laura, how are you doing? Good morning, Greg. I'm well. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good. How important is today's topic? Yep, it's a big one. So we've actually have two pregnant ladies in the Dermastore team at the moment. One be my wife, Sarah, and then Mika, one of our skin therapists. Both imminent arrivals in March, both girls. Very exciting to have two little new skin junkies join the team. <laughs> Before we kick things off, let's do our tradition. Uh, what did you use this morning? Our routine. I use Mesoesthetic Brightening Foam Cleanser this morning. Okay. And it's such an unbelievable cleanser that you can even just take it over your eyes. It doesn't sting or burn. So it's one of my favorite cleansers and the brightening effect is unreal. And then to continue on the brightening journey, I used La Roche-Posay's Vitamin C Serum. And my moisturizer was Huxley Anti-Gravity. Awesome. I, just, oh, I love how that moisturizer feels on my skin. And my sun protection was the HelioCare Gel Cream Light, the tinted SPF. Okay, nice. Mm. Now, what did you use? Um, I used the Dr. Barbara Sturm Foam Cleanser, which is just a great mild everyday cleanser. And then Dr. Webster cut something off my face the other day, very kindly. <laughs> I didn't so want to ask what was on your <laughs> I know, I've, so I've, got a I've got a plaster on. He thought it was something uh, malicious. It's not. It was completely benign. Um, anyway, so Good I've got idea. a bit of a cut on my face. I'm just like a little bit cautious about what I'm putting on. But I, I've actually been using, weirdly enough, that Isden Oriderm, which is like actually an amazing everyday moisturizer i know it's for post-treatment and for bruising and scarring greg can i tell you i was looking for that product the other day oh, I, i've got it <laughs> I, I i thought you might have because i also went for a procedure the other day yeah. and i you know it's such a relevant product when you have these types of procedures but i just like it as an everyday moisturizer really? it's lightweight it's i don't know what it is about that product it's just really nice well, that's um, great to hear yeah and then I use the Helia K360 gel oil free. Very nice. Yeah. That's your go-to actually. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. The topic for today is pregnancy and skincare. We're going to talk a little bit about if you have a C-section post C-section scarring and how to manage scars. And then we're going to talk about baby and newborn skincare and how to get a little one off to its best start with its skin routine. Yeah, and I think we're going to touch the tip of the iceberg with this one. There's so much to discuss. It's such a big topic. It's a question that comes up on our sport every single day, maybe a few times a day. And there is a lot out there in terms of information. So joining us in the studio this morning is our in-house dermatologist, Dr. Ian Webster. How are you, Dr. Webster? No, I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, so this topic comes up a lot. Um, I think it is very relevant for our customer base. I think we've done emailers, we've done articles, we've worked with influencers on this. Um, why is it such an important topic? Well, I think obviously um, being pregnant, um, you don't want to harm your unborn baby. Is that what it comes down to? Is that what it is? Well, I think there's two things. You want to, you have hormonal changes, so you do get pigmentation you do get flare-ups of your acne so you still want to look good right so you want to use products but you want to use it safely that do you think it's a, a, a marketing or a media hype that is it started this whole thing or is, or is skincare always been a concern for pregnant women throughout your years of practicing i think it always has been a concern okay. 
But I think there's more products, there's more ingredients. More information. More information. So I think there is confusion. There's no, no big clinical trials are done on pregnant women. So we've got to, we know certain things you definitely can't use. Um, and then a lot of it is anecdotal evidence or animal studies. So we've got it's by inference. Let's kick it off with uh, the ingredients. There's kind of like three categories. Uh, the definite knows that kind of it depends and the considered to be safe ingredients. So maybe you can just run us through the definite knows. So the definite knows are the number one, the oral medications like oral retinoids, like isotretinoin, uh, Roaccutane or Orotane, those are definitely no, because those have been proven in the first trimester you've got a great chance of having an abortion or having an abnormal child. So that's obviously no oral tetracyclines you must not give in during pregnancy. And then the topical products that are prescription topical retinoids, adapalene, isotretinoin, tretinoin, um, and topical hydroquinone are also no's. But the other non-prescription retinoids like retinol, retinaldehyde, those should not be used. Okay, so even the derivative forms of vitamin A, no, nothing of for vitamin A. No, not, basically nothing with vitamin A, okay. either orally or topically. Yeah, so that's obviously something that you know, if you if you are in your twenties or thirties, it might be a product you're using. Um, what if you fall pregnant and now you know, maybe you didn't know you were pregnant for some time mm. and you've been using the product? Obviously, that's a concern. Well, this is, this is all theoretical. So there have been reports, especially with tretinoin, which is the retin-A, mm. of some, ab, some birth defects with topical tretinoin. Um, but you just want to play it safe. So yeah. I think it's not the end of the world if you've been using a retinol and now you discover you're pregnant. Very small amounts are absorbed into the body. So, but obviously you don't want to use a topical retinoid if you know you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. retinol is quite a hard one to let go of eh, yeah. for nine months. So. <laughs> yeah, and and it's, it applies to breastfeeding as well. I mean, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Again, okay. it, we're playing it safe. Okay, and then we've got the sort of depends upon category, which is your acids. So glycolic acid, salicylic acid. What would you advise? Well, again, it depends. Is the difference between a wash-off product and a leave-on product? So, obviously, a product you wash off, it's only staying on your skin for a, a short period of time, and then a leave-on product. So, the products like salicylic acid as a wash-off product for acne, you can use a lower concentration, like two percent salicylic acid as a wash-off product is fine. And if you're going to do a leave-on product with salicylic acid. Then you can leave it on, but again, just use it as a spot treatment. So, so the uh, the same as benzoyl peroxide for acne, you want to just use it as a spot treatment. So you're not applying it over the full face. So it's a smaller surface area exactly. that we're applying. Exactly. To. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no creams or lotions or leave-on products with higher percentage of acids, basically. Exactly. Okay. Except as a lake acid, you can okay. use up to 20%. And polyhydroxy And polyhydroxy acids, acids yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that moves us on to the considered to be safe list. Um, so I think when we're thinking about skincare and active ingredients, we're always thinking about what concerns we're targeting during pregnancy, things like... Uh, hyperpigmentation, maybe acne. So what are the kind of considered to be safe ingredients that could address some of these concerns? 
niacinamide, uh, polyhydroxy acids, purslane that occurs in a lot of the Dr. Barbara Sturm products, vitamin E, hyaluronic acid, azelaic acid with a concentration of less than 20%, peptides, and the mineral sunscreen zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And some of these ingredients you've listed Dr. Webster, are multifunctional ingredients. So, for example, azelaic acid has so many benefits for different skin concerns. Exactly. Azelaic acid is one of my favorite ingredients because it helps for acne, it helps for post-inflammatory pigmentation, it helps for melasma, and also helps for rosacea, rosacea. rosacea and perioral dermatitis, Amazing. which often it does occur in pregnancy, in fact. Yeah. So there are a lot of the options for a pregnant woman to use active skincare. I think polyhydroxy acids for me is one of the ones that I think is overlooked because you, I mean, think about a lot of ingredients have that sort of keratolytic action and, and then you can't use them in a leave-on product, but polyhydroxy acids are considered to be safe. So that's a mild or derivative form of a glycolic acid or sugar-based acid. So that's a great one. Niacinamide, fantastic for brightening and keeping skin radiant and glowy. Hyaluronic acid, always a staple. And and then, of course, the sunscreens. The sunscreens um, topic is a huge one and especially it's come into focus more in the last few years around the safety of sunscreens, specifically chemical sunscreen filters. So we're just sticking to the pure mineral ones now. Exactly. There's been a question mark over the older generation chemical sunscreens. Uh, those are absorbed into the body they've been used for years and years and years without any apparent side effects but the fda has put a question mark over these and wants further research being done into it so i think until we've got further more information i think if you want to play it safe again use the mineral sunscreens i think and what's really wonderful opportunity that we have at derma store is just us discussing this it does already sound quite overwhelming so it's no wonder why pregnant women struggle with what they can and can't use because it is a bit confusing it's quite a complex there's so many ingredients there's so many actives um and yeah just discussing this is already no wonder we get asked this on a daily basis I have these concerns that I'm struggling with, whether it be acne or hyperpigmentation. I regularly used to go for skin treatments in clinic. Can I continue going for these treatments? Unfortunately, a lot of them I prefer not to do um, because with pregnancy, especially if you've got a more olivey skin, there's a greater risk of post-inflammatory pigmentation. So things like deep chemical peels, laser medical microneedling or anything where you might need a numbing cream beforehand, I would not recommend using a, a numbing cream uh, on your face or anywhere on your body for pre-op if you're pregnant. And also we've discussed your high concentration of these acids is, is not considered safe. Exactly, so exactly. Would, and uh, would you consider a facial, just a basic deep cleanse facial? Yes, that's fine. Okay. It's like a, like a comedone extraction yes. would, would be fine. Okay. I mean, you could do a very mild chemical peel, but I think it'd be safer probably not to do that. Just a facial would okay. be fine. Awesome. Moving on to the topic of pigmentation and the mask of pregnancy, we all know it as melasma. What are the sort of things that can be done about it? Well, number one is prevention, is because um, the sun can trigger it. So it's sun avoidance, sun protection, um, and sunscreens. So wear a hat, uh, seek the shade, and then use your mineral sunscreen. So often the, the, there's different types of melasma. So often in pregnancy, 
you get what we call epidermal melasma, where the pigment just comes out in the top layer of the skin. And that's usually not a problem. So it's temporarily while you're pregnant, if you do all the right things, and then often that will disappear spontaneously after pregnancy. Is that because of the, the surge of hormones? Let's it's the surge of hormones, okay. yes. But you can use various products if you want to. Um, products containing niacinamide, peptides and azelaic acid. But fortunately for most, but you must be super careful. Most times if it's an epidermal form of melasma, if you use the sunscreens afterwards, most times it will fade on its own. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. All, all on its own. Obviously, you've got to use the right product. If you're going to carry on in the sun without sunscreen, it's, it's not going to. Okay, so is it? It sits in the the epidermal layer, and you wear sunscreen. It prevents it from going deeper into, into the dermis. Into yes, the dermis. dermis yeah. And the dermal melasma is the tricky one. Too. The tricky one. Once it's gone from the epidermis to the dermis, then you've got a problem. It's yeah. amazing what a sunscreen can do. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's yeah. been clinically proven. Yeah. There have been tests and yeah. trials on yeah. this. Any supplements to take? No, I think just the routine sort of pregnancy supplements, the vitamins. I wouldn't okay. take anything else. Okay. Yeah. So, Dr. Webster, I am... Um, most women are on the contraceptive pill for few reasons, obviously preventative, but also a lot of young ladies are on the contraceptive for their skin to prevent acne breakouts. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. But now what will happen if I go off the pill because now I'm trying to eventually plan for a baby in the future? My acne is inevitably going to come back. Yes. So the pill will control the acne and often if you go off the pill, the acne will get worse. So I see in my practice women with adult acne in the more severe end of the spectrum. We know they're going to struggle. Sometimes it can go on for years. It can continue into their 40s sometimes. If I see them with more severe acne and they want to plan a family, and that's where I do often recommend isotretinoin or reaccutane before they plan a pregnancy. So you put them onto isotretinoin or reaccutane for six, six to nine months, and that's the only drug that can put your acne into remission. So you sort the acne out, put it into remission, then you can go off the pill, have your baby, and at least your acne shouldn't flare up too badly while you're pregnant. Okay. I've seen a number of women who have struggled with acne, didn't go on isotretinoin, fall pregnant, their skins are terrible and they're miserable, and that's how I wish I'd gone on the isotretinoin before the pregnancy. Wow, and then they're also left with all the other complications that Exactly, it could leaves. be scarring, yeah. because once they're pregnant with severe acne, there's not much you can do. Yeah, we're quite limited, yeah. as we've seen yeah. with the you're, 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 we can use. You could just use some topicals. Yeah. Well, and what are those specifically? A salicylic acid and a wash-off product? Yeah. You can use salicylic as acid, wash-off product, yes. Azelaic acid and niacinamide. So in those in a cream or a spot treatment or anything like that. Yeah. And benzoyl peroxide? You can. You can use it as again as a spot treatment. Okay. Yeah. But usually use it anyway as a spot treatment for the more inflamed, infected lesions. Yeah. And I think the what's really important is to just be consistent, um, be routine with your with your skin and, and just be patient. I mean it is a bit of a roller coaster this pregnancy. You can journey, expect, I'm sure I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. You expect your skin not to behave itself. You it, you're not alone in this. Um, everyone goes through it, but there are things you can do to just do your best and, and that's basically it. Yeah, and that's what we're here to do to help guide you and exactly. help you. Okay, 
Okay, so you're pregnant and you are planning your birth. You opt for a C-section and the post-C-section scarring is a concern. What can we do about C-section scarring? Well, number one, you want the wound to heal up completely. So okay. your obstetrician, the wound must be healed and closed. Obviously, the wounds in the lower abdomen, the risk of a hypertrophic scar or keloid scar is lower, but you can still get keloid scarring there, uh, which obviously can look unsightly, but it often can itch and be uncomfortable. So that's where as soon as the wound is healed, I would use a silicone gel and use it, use it twice a day because you can't predict whether you're going to develop a hypertrophic scar or a keloid scar. So it's, it's, it's easy to use. And we've got various silicone gels on Dermastor. What does a silicone gel do, Dr. Uzza? It just occludes the skin. So it works just by occluding the skin. It prevents uh, excess scar tissue. That's the way it works. It's very simple. It keeps it hydrated. It keeps it hydrated, yeah. 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 And so it prevents the buildup of collagen, so you won't get that raised scar. Um, and, and to have sort of bandages or anything over it, do you recommend it? Obviously, that being maybe a high friction area if you're wearing, a, you've got a waistline or you know lining on pants just just the silicone gel well you can do you could put a bit of micropore tape over that if you wanted to maybe initially initially you could put some micropore tape yes um obviously it's an area that doesn't get much sun so you don't need a sunscreen (laughs) (laughs) unless unless it's summer and you're lying on the beach (laughs) (laughs) but the caesar scars are quite low down okay but um yeah, you could put some. Obviously, Bay. <laughs> you, you, you could put some micropore tape on top of it. You know, obviously, if the wounds healed well and you had a good surgeon, uh, everything will be fine. But just the silicone gel is much easier. A lot of people, even though micropore tape or the paper tape is more hyperallergenic, but some people can react to the tapes, especially if they've had some sort of other plaster on. Sometimes the surrounding skin has become sort of irritated, and that's where the silicone gel is inert and you basically can't react to it. It's very simple and easy. And what's great about the silicone gel is it absorbs completely onto the skin, so it doesn't um, leave any residue yeah. or anything. It doesn't transfer onto clothes. Well, the ones that we've selected on Dermastar are all dry touch, so they're fantastic, yeah. Okay, so it's the big day, baby's out. Obviously, you wanna be using the right products and, and uh, techniques and having the right sort of advice from birth. Uh, we know how important, especially the skin microbiome is. What do you do? Well, research has shown it's best to leave the, the vernix. The vernix is a covering that these covers the baby at birth. It's a sort of a milky white covering. And it's, research has shown it's best to keep that vernix on for at least 48 hours because it acts for the barrier function of the skin. But you don't want to bath a baby too soon because it can affect the, the baby's temperature, the core temperature. So research has shown leave it on for at least 48 to 72 hours and then you can bath the baby. Obviously use the appropriate cleanser. You know, like on Dermastore, we've got Mustela. You know, don't use aqueous cream. Um, a nice product like Mustela and they've shown that if you put the baby in a little tub a tub bath is better than a sponge bath because the the big risk is uh, you don't want to drop the baby's temperature. Why is um, baby skincare so important? What is the need for a proper baby product and not just a normal body wash for example? So especially with people that have gotten what we call an atopic diathesis, in other words, a family history of asthma, hay fever, eczema. It's very important from birth to use the correct products. And obviously at birth, the skin is still developing. It's got a lower pH. 
the barrier function is not completely normal so you just want to use a cleanser that's the right pH and just very gentle that's not going to disturb the the normal microbiome and that's why this vernix is also acts as got antibacterial properties as well so we're looking for products that are formulated like you said at the right pH but that include the family of ceramides fatty and acids fa exactly. yeah. so that's keeping the barrier exactly you want, you want to preserve healthy. that barrier so, okay. yeah it's something at the correct pH that's non-stripping non-drying and um, also interestingly is the frequency of washing in the initial few weeks. I, I was told at our antenatal courses um, to only bath the baby once a week. Well, I attended the EADV conference last year and they said twice a week. Okay. Twice a week and you will just wash the baby for 10 minutes and, and in a little tub. In a tub. Not, okay. not a sponge bath. And the tub is because it, the water's staying warm. And, exactly. Okay, yeah, and it's exactly. You want to maintain the barrier function of the skin. You don't want to disturb that you don't just disturb the microbiome and obviously certain products you would only start later like sunscreens only from three months yeah even six months i would say maybe six okay. months so okay. to do the sun avoidance thing right for how long sun avoidance because obviously if you're going for a walk in the park and you've got a, a little one i mean what would you say from i would say it's up to six months okay. after that i mean obviously just if they're in a pram have it covered yes um have a little hat a little hat yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so sunscreen's yeah. from six months, basically, yeah. could be. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my little baby's now out the bath. We tend to, well, I've from seen friends, love to lather their kid with these nice smelling body creams for their baby. How important is it? Are we looking for a specific body cream now that we're using for our babies? Yes, again, it must be specially formulated, okay. you know. Not aqueous cream. Not aqueous cream, because the aqueous cream BP, the original one, a British pharmacopoeia, was made in the 60s, contains SLS. Okay. Sodium lauryl sulfate. You know, which has been shown with Professor Michael Cork, it's been shown that that actually irritates the skin. It's doing more harm than good. So aqueous cream was originally invented or designed to be a wash-off product. Okay. It was never designed to be a leave-on yeah. product. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, so use a special emollient uh, like Mustela. Okay. You know that. Um, and often, what I find with these baby products is that they pack them with essential oils, mm. which is also not great. I don't think from a an allergen perspective, from a sensitizing, skin, yeah, skin barrier perspective. Mm. So we want to be one with nature, but actually, all the skin needs is what the skin is. So that's essential fatty acids, ceramides, yeah. um, and your barrier supporting ingredients. Yeah, exactly. So try and mimic the natural lipids in the skin. Mm. And again, the they're, natu they're good natural products and they're bad natural products. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mastella has a lot of natural products in it, yeah, like sun sunflower seed oil, avocado, avocado oil. but they've selected the good ones. Yeah. You know, and a lot of these essential oils, a lot of the ones with, uh, so there's some ones that are not good, unfortunately. Mm. So you've got to, yeah, you've got to do a little bit of research around what we're using on our little ones now. Um, and thankfully, you know, we do have these options available on Store. I think that's been an awesome topic. Thanks so much to Ian and to Lara for today. Don't forget to subscribe if you're keen to learn more about what we have to say. We would also really love your thoughts, ideas, and any questions you have for future episodes. You can email us on pod at dermastore.co.za.